Are we doing this? Really? Wait for it. Are we doing this? Wait for it. Ow! What the fuck? WTF. And it's also, eh, what the fuck? What's wrong with me? It's time for WTF. What the fuck? With Mark Marin. Okay, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fucking knots? What the fuck nicks? Whatever the fuck you want to call yourselves. I hope you're doing okay. I hope you feel great. I hope you are the center of your universe. I hope you feel that you deserve great things. I hope that you were large. You are a, you you loom large in your perception of the world. Because today is the day that you can celebrate freedom from sickness. Those of you who know you're special, who know you're great and possibly underappreciated, who believe that at all times people are thinking about you and only you and that the broad spectrum of your impact in your universe and perhaps the universe at large is it looms big, big. You know who you are. You're great. You are the people that were once called narcissists, the people that know in your heart that you have narcissistic personality disorder today is your day. I'll tell you why in just a second. Let's get into a little bit of business first. If you want tickets to my Union Hall show or the shows, the four shows I'm doing the 9th and 10th of December, that's Thursday and Friday. Am I right? Am I opening my calendar? Am I losing my mind? Am I eating too much aspartame? A lot of things going on. 9th and 10th at Union Hall in Brooklyn, four shows, 7.30 and 9.30 on Thursday and Friday. I believe the second show Friday is sold out, but there are still tickets available for the other three. If you're coming to the shows, it's my CD taping. I got to get it. I got to be able to get an hour out of four shows. Uh, go to Union Hall, New York, unionhallny.com and get tickets for that. Getting a lot of questions about the first 50 episodes. The first 50 episodes of WTF will once again be available on iTunes soon i will let you know the details on that well let's get back to you special people oh and by the way mike schmidt will be on the show in just a few minutes he will be here the host of the 40 year old boy podcast will be here relax there's a couple of things i want to address and again you special people out there you know who you are you know it's all about you come on today's our day because today the fifth edition of the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders has eliminated five of the ten personality disorders that are listed in the current edition. Narcissistic personality disorder is no longer listed. It is no longer listed. It is not a disorder. They are removing it from the tome that defines us as sick. You are free, narcissist. And I know it's you're, you're going to take a hit. I know this feels bad, and I know that you need the attention that you once had knowing you were truly a narcissist. A lot of people are narcissistic, but few of you are actual possessors of the former narcissistic personality disorder. You're free. You're no longer sick. What is it? But you're great. Okay. Don't, don't feel left out. You truly are terrific. Don't feel left out. The other five. And if you're curious, if you don't know, let me read you some of this. Narcissistic personality disorder is characterized by a long-standing pattern of grandiosity, either in fantasy or actual behavior, an overwhelming need for admiration, and usually a complete lack of empathy toward others. People with disorder often believe they are of primary importance in everybody's life or to anyone they meet. While this pattern of behavior may be appropriate for a king in the 16th century, England is generally considered inappropriate for most ordinary people. I, and I'm quoting from something I found online. 
it, it, I looked it up on a website of psychological disorders, and I disagree. What am I disagreeing with? Oh, it is it is not inappropriate. It is the way many people are. The fact that they're taking out of the DSM is 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 uh, it's amazing. Apparently, what they want to do is just break it into a series of symptoms and treat symptoms. They don't want to, you know, no longer clinically want to assess a broad spectrum of these symptoms as being a personality disorder, which on some level means to me they're just figuring out a way to alleviate responsibility for really being diagnostic and just medicating symptoms. Fine. But, you know, as I read this, I realize, holy shit, I got a lot of these. I got a lot of these. Yeah, I'm willing to bet my dad is a, a true narcissist and I have shrapnel. I have uh, I have some psychological shrapnel from being brought up with this, but but I'm working on it. But I'm free. I, I'm no longer sick, and I can no longer be. You can call me a narcissist, but it doesn't mean anything. It's no longer a disorder. The other disorders. This is what's interesting. The other disorders were histrionic personality disorder, paranoid personality disorder, schizoid personality disorder, and dependent personality disorder. Do you know about these? I didn't know about these. I'm, I'm not a psychologist. I don't study psychologists. Of course, I, I was very flattered that I had been called a narcissist before because, you know, the attention's nice. Histrionic personality disorder. Dig this is characterized by a long-standing pattern of attention-seeking behavior and extreme emotionality. Someone with histrionic personality disorder wants to be the center of attention in any group of people and feel uncomfortable when they are not. While often lively, interesting, and sometimes dramatic, they have difficulty when people aren't focused exclusively on them. People with this disorder may be perceived as being shallow and may engage in sexually seductive behavior to draw attention to themselves, unquote. I think this is me too. Oh, man, I got both of them. Paranoid personality disorder. Now, now these are no longer personality disorders. These are just uh, apparently descriptions of me. People with paranoid personality disorder are generally characterized by having a longstanding pattern of pervasive distrust and suspiciousness of others. A person with paranoid personality disorder will nearly always believe that other people's motives are suspect or even malevolent. Individuals with this disorder assume that other people will exploit, harm, or deceive them, even if no evidence exists to support this expectation, while it is fairly normal for everyone to have some degree of paranoia about certain situations in their lives, such as worry about an impending set of layoffs at work, people with paranoid personality disorder take this to an extreme. It pervades virtually every professional and personal relationship they have. This is me too. I'm, I'm all three of these things are taking out of the book. Wait, there's more schizoid personality disorder. I can't be that. That sounds horrible. Schizoid personality disorder is characterized by a long-standing pattern of detachment from social relationships. A person with schizoid personality disorder often has difficulty expressing emotions as does so typically in a very restricted range, especially when communicating with others. I never had that. That's not me. But the first three are me, and apparently I'm not sick anymore. I'm free. I'm just a collection of symptoms that are common to a few different personality disorders that are no longer personality disorders, and I use them to... to to help me now this schizoid thing let's talk about that schizoid personality disorder characterized by a long-standing pattern of detachment from social relations. so anyways congratulations narcissists histrionic personality disorder sufferers paranoid personality disorder sufferers schizoid personality disorder sufferers and uh and dependent personality wait a minute i forgot one dependent personality disorder that that's no longer on there either it's characterized by a long-standing need for the person to be taken care of and a fear of being abandoned or separated from important individuals in his or her life. This leads a person to engage in dependent and submissive behaviors that are designed to elicit caregiving behaviors in others. 
The dependent behavior may be seen as being clingy or clinging on to others because the person fears they can't live their lives without the help of others. This sounds like everybody on some level, but that one's out. So if you're specifically that, that's out. I got a little of that, but the first three are fucking me, man. Narcissistic, histrionic, paranoid. I'm free, no longer a sick man. Congratulate me. I think this is also an adjustment to the world we live in. It becomes impossible to diagnose those first three, those things, to diagnose narcissism, histrionic personality, or paranoid personality disorder in this culture we live in that thrives on self-absorption, that thrives on people wanting to be seen and rewarded, even if it's only for a few minutes, that thrives on paranoia because of all of the, it's impossible. How are you going to diagnose paranoia? In the culture that we live in right now, we're supposed to be paranoid. How are you going to diagnose histrionic personality disorder when everybody wants to fucking be famous? How are you going to diagnose narcissistic personality when, when it is almost a survival tool in the culture we live in? Am I rationalizing? Is it all about me? Is it right now in your head as you listen to this? Is it? Oh man, I got to call my dad and tell him he's off the hook. Let's talk about something else as we head into Michael Schmidt, Mike Schmidt, who I, I only met uh, during our talk, the first time I met him. Some of his fans reached out to me. Uh, he used to be part of the Jimmy Pardo operation over there at uh, Never Not Funny. He's got a very uh, a, a sort of uh, interesting history of, of self-sabotage that he talks about quite frequently, about getting the, the stiff end of the stick by uh by his own hand he gets the uh is it the stiff end of the stick or the short end of the stick that's it that's the saying he gets the short end of the stick which apparently he uses to clobber himself with but we all experience that and i i got to thinking about this about this idea of self-sabotage about people who are truly talented and truly creative and gifted and 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 all of the things that you would think would be the recipe for success but aren't and a lot of people around those people, you know, say things like, I don't get it. He should, uh, he should be big. Or they say, uh, you know, he's a fucking genius. He's just underappreciated. Or they say, uh, you know, he gets in his own way. He gets in his own way. He gets in his own way. He self-sabotages. What about that? What does that mean? I'm trying to look at it in myself because I've been stuck at a certain level for years. I've had a lot of opportunity. I got friends that are brilliant. But now I, you know, I'm, I'm seeing... Some success, at least in my heart and in my mind. And I'm, and I'm glad you people enjoy listening to me. But what was it that was stopping me? You know, justifying failure through bitterness or anger is a very comfortable place to be because then you don't really risk failure, do you? Justifying failure, like, you know, they don't fucking like me. Yeah, the, you know, that other, the, the fuck that guy, he's, he's famous, but, you know, I'm doing something different. They don't understand what I'm doing. Uh, you know, I should have had that, but, you, you know, they're fucked up. You know, that disposition is a very active and enchanting disposition. It's, it's, a, it's stability for somebody who is frightened. It's stability for somebody who is not able to see their own limitations and work within them which I think is a symptom of narcissism. It's stability for somebody who wants to be vindicated for taking any responsibility for their part in it. It takes a certain amount of self-awareness to know that you fucked up your life and then to change. It also takes 
a lot of commitment to know that you fucked up your life and stay fucked because that's a, that is a point of view. That is a point of view. I've had that point of view. I've been there. I'd like to think I'm evolving out of it, but it's very frightening. You know, in order to, uh, I, it took, you know, some, some guy told me a long time ago that, that, that the sign of maturity is acknowledging your own limitations. And I just really think that I never really did that. And now I'm starting to, and it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good to know that there are certain things you can't do. And I've talked about this before, but, but, you know, but feeling that pain, feeling that knowledge of like, you know, that's not going to happen, or I'm not capable of that, or that's a little out of my wheelhouse, you know, especially if you're narcissistic, self-centered and think you're the fucking, you know, you can do anything. It's sort of painful. Humility is painful. It's fucking humbling. But God, I'm so glad I'm not a narcissist. I'm not, right? No, it doesn't exist anymore. But anyways, I'm going to I'm gonna sit down, talk to Mike Schmidt, see, see where we go with that. I think we got a lot of uh, shared experience, a lot of common ground. And, and I think, uh, you know, he, let's see, schizoid personality disorder. I think, you know, he might have a bit of that, but I don't want to diagnose. And you know what? It doesn't matter anymore because that's off the list. I believe Mike and I are off the list. And I think that you can just call us entertainers. Guys, you plug into your head. This is what we do, Mike. All right. This is what we do, you and I. I don't know. Don't include me in that, friend. That's what you do. No, this is what you do. I've listened to you. I listened to a couple of your things. You do this, don't you? Yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's uh, uh yeah, it's going well. I, I do it. I'm I'm teasing. I you're gonna. I deflect a lot. I do that a lot. Where I'll be like, no, that's all you. You're good, and I'm no. But I mean, I I know from when I listen to your show, Mike Schmidt is in the uh, garage here at the Cat Ranch. When I listen to your show, and 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 mind you, I didn't really. I'd heard about you. I didn't know you. I don't know your history. I don't know anything about you. But you have very pesty fans. Really, a little bit. Maybe they're my fans. I don't know who they are, but I've gotten several emails over the course of several months saying, why don't you talk to Mike Schmidt? You guys need to talk. And then I listen to you and I'm like, how are, how are we going to talk? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's no room for both of us talking about ourselves. Self, self-mythologizing our mundane <laughs> day-to-day. Like, I just watched you park and I figure you got to get a half hour out of that. Oh, sure. Yeah, how the not? fuck did that happen? Well, dude, uh, well, I, again, I had, here's how sad it is. I have a phone that told me how to get here and I Google mapped it and I have a GPS and right. they all had a different way. So I'm on 51 and then I'm on 53 and I'm, I'm giving way too much information to people where you live. And, That's uh, right. Turning around and then there's garbage cans. I dude, I don't know. It took me, yeah, it took me like 17 minutes to goddamn park. No, I know. I watched you. You you, you turned around and then you went to park <laughs> and then you turned around again and went to park and then you turned around. But this is within uh, half a block. Well, uh, luckily I saw WTF bumper stickers on the car. Otherwise, that, I, I'm, I'm you. Yeah, I'm looking for plates and, and addresses and I and I'm trying to keep an eye on the road with hills. I don't fucking know, dude. What the fuck is wrong with us? That like I listened to your show and and, and granted I only listened to one. And uh, uh, I'm going to do this to you. Which one? The one about the moving of the couch. Fairly recent one. Okay. Yeah. Just so I could get a sense of of who you are. I knew you were a guy that was a funny guy. I'd gotten some sort of update about, oh, Jesse Thorne was uh, behind, you know, getting behind your performance in San Francisco. How'd that go, by the way? Uh, Amazing. 
It was it was really good. It's it's. I want to talk to you because I want to hear all about. Um, you know, <laughs> sadly, I'm going to do that thing. Tell me how to do a one man show, Mark. Uh, because I know you did Jerusalem Syndrome and then you workshopped it and you did all those different things. And uh, these are my first performances of it. Right. So well, I'm, I think you and I are, have a lot in common. I mean, when I was doing uh, putting together Jerusalem Syndrome, I don't write anything down in in long form. So literally, my process was I got a small theater. I got a, a, a woman who was a producer who had a small access to a small theater. Mm-hmm. And I did you know several shows, workshop shows over several months where I'd get anywhere from eight to 15, maybe to 30 people. And I, I would sometimes do over two hours. Yeah. And I would record them. And I would talk to her. Do you have a director? I don't. I have me. And uh, I, I there's, there's no way you can direct yourself, Mike. I know this just by listening to you. <laughs> You're right. I, I San Francisco. The first night. Uh, I, I'm all right. I come from stand up. Yeah. Uh, I started in 1990, but I settled. I became a middle act, and my friends would bring me with them. Yeah. And I was happy to take the paycheck and hang out with my friends. Right. Uh, and because of that, my peers have now passed me and I'm nobody. Nobody knows who the fuck I am. Yeah. So uh, I made that mistake. So now doing but the podcast. H- had you not made that mistake, do you think you would be what? Uh, where do you think you'd be now? Um, I, I wouldn't be tr- calling people <laughs> who don't know the fuck I am. <laughs> I wouldn't be t- trolling open mics at 43 and going, hey, can I get five minutes? <laughs> we don't know who the fuck you are, dude. Hey, who are you? 21 years old? Get on stage. <laughs> fuck. <laughs> You uh, you troll open mics? Not no, that's the problem. <laughs> I, I won't go. I mean, I I have to get back doing it, and so I hadn't been on stage in forever. Yeah, uh, and uh, I did San Francisco the first, I, and the longest I'd ever done was forty two minutes ever in your life, ever. And but now was, because of the podcast, you know you can do much longer. But I didn't know that until that night. I was fucking scared about filling the time. First night I did an hour and forty minutes. Right. Second night I did two and a half hours. Right. On stage, me alone, sweating talking and, and receptive people that was how many key. people uh it's 50 seat theater the first night we only had about 35 second night we had 45 about 45 people held yeah. hostage by your brain who wanted people flew in from two and canada. a half hours yeah people flew from canada people came in from seattle and is that amazing about the podcast unreal it, i have like i've heard you say you get donations from germany and yeah people travel though people travel hundreds of miles i did a show uh where was it someone drove from uh from Utah to Indiana, they yeah. drove 15 hours. Well, that's kind of the same state, though. I mean, they felt comfortable, at least. No, I know. They, they, <laughs> nothing was surprising to them, except that uh, one seemed one was more arid than yeah. the other one. And flat. Well, no, Utah's flat. No, it's got hills. It's got stuff. But Utah's pretty hot. It's kind of deserty, from my recollection. Indiana's kind of cold and kind of northern. And uh, I, I have no fucking idea. There's quarries. <laughs> <laughs> I know there's a, a quarry that they built the entire college out of in uh, Bloomington. Oh, Lord. That's the big hook. Yeah, yeah they, it was all built from one rock. So, <laughs> oh, what, dude. <laughs> yeah. All right, so there you are. You're up in San Francisco. Yeah. You do two and a half hours. You feel yeah. like a rock star. I'll never be better than that. I'll never be better than the Saturday I did in San Francisco. I, I, I just can't see it. But I think what you experienced, though, was actually the feeling of being on stage for the first time in that long a time, and, and you were so juiced up, and you were so excited to have a responsive audience, and they were your friends, they were, they were people that love you, and there's nothing going to be more satisfying than that, but now comes the big work, Mike. Absolutely. Now comes the molding, the structuring. Yes. The, let's see if we can do it twice time. Oh, dude, I believe me, I know. <laughs> I, that came the next day. That night out in San Francisco, I'm in a cab, I'm like, I'm Leaning out the window, handing money to people. Yeah, I'm fantastic. Yeah, I'm done. Yeah. I did it. Where's the mayor? Is he supposed to shake my fucking hand? Where's the key to the city? God damn it. 
And uh, sure enough, I drove home that night, and I, my producer of my podcast, Lily Von Stubb, she was asleep in the passenger seat. Yeah, that was, yeah. And that, as the sun came up, and I saw myself in the rearview mirror, your eyes, you get that, oh, you got to do this again, dude. You drove all the way home from San Francisco that night oh, yeah. after the big show. Come on. What am I going to do? Stick around? Oh, I, I leave that town. I'm like, adios. And I wave, and they all just sat there and clapped at the border. Isn't that, <laughs> but isn't that an amazing thing about what we do? It's like there's that moment where you're like, everyone's like in your mind or even maybe in reality they're chanting your name yeah. and there you are going all right yeah where are you guys gonna eat where we- <laughs> <laughs> yeah dude those moments like even when you do stand-up you'd be crushing it and then yeah, you're, yeah. you're in a fucking perkins at, at three in the morning with a member ignored. of the audience oh dude yeah and, yeah and, and ignore and they don't even want to be there with you yeah, they're just yeah. kind of there and it, yeah. that's who you wound up with because it dissipated you know like, yeah. oh, fuck that's the uh, disappointing the fans tour <laughs> <laughs> i've been on that for fucking 20 years <laughs> <laughs> yeah hey we really but the weird thing is is that uh, did you find that you were telling stories that you told before? Well, I made a point to, um, I, I, there were two stories that I had never told on the podcast. Mm-hmm. I wanted to have a, a, something in the live show that, it, that people have not heard. Right. Uh, and then I, again, I've had these grandiose ideas of how I, like, I'm, you know, I'm defending the caveman. I'm going to franchise these and I'm going to have one segment just about work and one about the road and then one about women. And, you know, I'm going to do all these different one man shows and you built a big business oh, right there yeah, in your head. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, uh, but I, I made sure. You know, I felt uh, that's the problem I had was the dealing with what a one man show should be Mm -hmm. in creating it. uh, If you heard the show, I kind of spin around a lot. So especially because I'm alone. Right. So I'll talk and then I'll wedge in a joke and then I'm able to milk it because Lily laughs, thank God. And she lets me be who I want to be and talk and find and mine for material. Sure. So when I sat down to write, I I actually would write stuff out, which I, I just because I was so frightened about not remembering. And I would keep wedging in jokes and jokes and jokes. So something that was supposed to be a paragraph wound up being three pages because of all these asides and things like that. Right. And I'm like, dude, you got to stop. I mean, you got to. Were you, you able know. to honor a script, though? I mean, it doesn't. It, N- no. Uh, because like I can't. Uh, and I'm just speaking from. I, I have ideas. I know what stories I want to tell. But the only way you're going to get those beats right is if you repeat them. Right. Exactly. A- a- but the thing is, with my show, you know, I'm, I'm in year three now. Of and the I, podcast, a yes, forty-year-old boy. Yeah, and, and I'm I'm going to be honest. I'm going to say like ninety-nine percent of those stories are being told for the first time when I sit down to do that. Yeah, show. I I have the same experience in here. Yeah. Like I I don't have someone uh, laughing at me, but uh, once you get your your mic your your headset on, and I'm I'm out and I'm looking out, and I'm literally sitting in this clutter. You know, picking up pieces of paper going, all right, where are we going? What's going to happen? You know, yeah. what am I going to bring up? And and I get concerned, though. I mean, don't you find that that at some point, like you, you talk about your wife a lot, I imagine, I, I your marriage, yeah. we, she comes up, uh, yeah. your failure oh, uh, is a big theme. Absolutely. Now, it's the theme. Right. Now, do you find, I mean, I know that people relate to my neurosis, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but I'm not as heavy on, uh, well, maybe I am a little, maybe that's why people keep telling us we need to talk. Is there a difference between uh, what we do sometimes and just sort of amplified self-pity? I mean, what happens if either one of us really becomes successful? <laughs> well, 45 Conan's saying that is so crazy, Mark. I, I mean, I, I you but know wait, what I mean? But, but let's, let's talk honestly, all right? Because you know, you know this business and you've been in this business, mm-hmm. all right? Now, now, what that doesn't guarantee me 
is that people will come see me. Now, I'm literally in the same boat that you are in terms of drawing people for the most part. Right. Now, the podcast has brought me new life, but for some reason, in all my different outfits and haircuts, you know, I did not grab the hearts and minds of America. Sure. I, I mean, I got the TV opportunities, and I'm certainly grateful about them, but ultimately what that's supposed to do is people are supposed to come see you. <laughs> yeah, you're supposed to go so up the like, ladder, right? Now, now, what happens to me, and it's a similar story that you would probably tell if you were me, is that they bring me on stage this guy's done more Conans than anybody yeah. and I'm playing to half a house half of that doesn't know who I am and doesn't know what you do and so then you're trying to win them the fuck over and you're going does it ever end does it is it ever going to be right well I try to stop that I mean there I've done some <laughs> therapy well, yeah. I've, I've got some self-awareness around that and I feel like I can't entertain people that may not know who I am sure. but one thing I know they don't want to hear is like you know I'm a loser true and, and I but the people who listen to me, they they root for me, just like your fans root yeah, for you, and right, I root for you, right. and and uh, and yeah, we we are kind of the same. I mean, I, I don't want to say kindred spirits or whatever. We're different, but at the same time, we both have a lot of the same feelings. The we yeah. the Mel Gibson thing hit. I did a whole show about how I understand it. Yeah. And, and literally, and then I told a story about a woman I threw a phone at and all that fucking horse shit. And then, not your wife. Uh, no, no, my mm-hmm. wife, please. That, that would be the last thing I ever threw. Yeah. But uh, but then I heard your show and I heard, and essentially, same type of deal. And uh, you understood that anger and you've seen yourself that way. And I'm like, oh, that was what my show was about this week. I mean, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I find that, uh, well, I, I mean, we maybe we are kindred spirits, but it's a, it's, it's a lot of heartache, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the weird thing about ma- making it funny and the, and the, the one thing I, I know about the honesty that we both seem to be bringing to the table is that in this format and in that we're talking to individuals like right now you know people on treadmills yeah you know, people in cars uh you know people you know going to work on the train or whatever that that relationship of of that heartache of being alive and that existential sort of like you know what the fuck is gonna happen now yeah. is so common that i don't even like i resent regular entertainment now i mean <laughs> not just because of like opportunities i didn't have but yeah. literally i can go into my house and turn the tv on and go haven't we had enough of this yeah when does this shut the fuck up yeah never I know it, it, it won't because there's enough people out there who I mean how many people do you know who don't even know what the fuck a podcast is when you say it to them they just give you this weird look like and you're like it's an internet radio show but it's not radio and you have to try to break it down for them but then there are people who swear by it and it's so intimate because yeah. you know you're right here you're yeah. right in someone's ears I love it. every week yeah. and it, it's fantastic yeah. and, and I find the people who like me root like hard like rocky for me you know what yeah, I mean yeah, so yeah. the last two weeks have been triumphs like I did the San Francisco and then came back and did a two hour show about it and then had another show where I actually got to perform for Quentin Tarantino like he was in the audience and he's a huge thing for me uh, like a Keith Richards for you maybe like yeah. I, I've just he's really important to me in his work because I love it and and how did that uh, transpire um, my producer Lily is a burlesque dancer and producer and is that uh, is that an up upscale stripper yes okay yeah yeah no nipples right that deal oh um, right right art stripping exactly yeah, yeah. but not tape pasties, <laughs> pasties right? yeah sure, and, sure. and elaborate costume do i know and, her have i met her lily von Stupp? i don't think you have no she uh, is she part of that whole uh lupa day uh the you know um you know the wrestling and the stripping the uh the oh, lucha vavum yeah no but she has good friends who do it right yeah. i know some of those girls yeah, yeah yeah she she's uh she's friends with all of them but she yeah. produces her show and it's the longest running los angeles burlesque show called monday night tees every monday night and the last three years she's done a tarantino inglorious burlesque it was called this year tribute show uh-huh. all tarantino themed acts all you know, oh, okay that stuff so um we did it this year on the 23rd that's one of the reasons we had to come home from san francisco on the night of the 21st was because she had to get ready for the 23rd yeah the tarantino i always am seeing it i always am see it and she's invited tarantino all three years he's never come 
the Tuesday morning after this year, she got a call from his office saying he wanted a command performance and he would rent a bar. And he would buy out a bar with a private guest list and he wanted the show done for him and his friend. Holy shit. So that, and, and by the way, we need it in four days. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so yeah. she's calling frantically and emailing and uh, we wound up doing it that Sunday, the following, you know, six days later. Uh-huh. And so I emceed it for Tarantino and his private guest list and, uh-huh. uh, and shoot it in front of everybody except him. He's the only one who liked me and hitting the table, telling me I'm fucking hilarious and heckling in a nice way and being yeah. fun. Everybody else, snooty Hollywood knows in a drink, but him mm. fucking loving every goddamn second so- of you're, po- you're pointing to a relatively full room of people not laughing except for Tarantino. Chuckling. that that You know that deal where they don't laugh, they don't laugh, then, and then Tarantino's going crazy, and I go, thank God you're here, dude, because they fucking hate yeah. me. And then ah, they laugh. You know, right, they, right, they, right. They love to see your misery. Prince Quentin likes him. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, it's okay? It's okay? Oh, thank you, Quentin. And, uh, but he loved it. He yeah. was, dude, fucking yelling and hitting the table and, and having fun. And so I started to drop in like trivia from the movies, and he knew I got it, and it was just it was the greatest. Now, you walk away from that. What's going on in your mind now? Uh, you know, you know, it's funny what's going on. It's like, oh, why didn't those other people come around? You know what I mean? That's I, it. Uh, no, no, like, no, you know. no. Again, triumph and people. I have like 150 emails I haven't answered yet of people going, "Thank God!" And they, they, you know, they're they're all that's so. That's what we were originally talking. But what's about. your expectation? I mean, there's got to oh, be no, part. Nothing from that. I, but I'm, I'm seriously from my, Tarantino thing. Nothing. I mean, he, he in he, your fantasy. Oh, what happened? oh, fuck, in my fantasy, I'm, yeah. I'm, you know, they're fitting fatty for a fucking black and white suit, and I'm shooting somebody in six weeks. You know, I mean, he's in Venice now at the film festival, but when he comes back, I'm sure he's going to call me immediately. Right, exactly. Right, like, <laughs> what can I get this Schmidt guy into? Oh, he'd look great at an Afro wig. Samuel I, L. Jackson has to meet him, sure. <laughs> I've got an idea that could fit him perfectly. <laughs> a million ideas. <laughs> he just, don't you just have this fantasy where, where Tarantino listens to all your podcasts and just oh. builds a film around your life? Dude, I'm sitting there with a business card in my hand waiting just waiting to palm it to him you know what i mean some weird hollywood move but yeah he was all about the pussy though it was like i i was able to buttonhole him and, and shake his hand and tell him how much he meant to me and, and have like a like a you know 30 second a minute exchange yeah and then he was all about what? the girls that was it huh yeah so he basically like he was all about the idea but had nothing to do with you no he no was- no <laughs> It was all about the fucking Tarantino burlesque and the girl. And I, and I recognize that, Mark. I'll From be the honest. beginning? Absolutely. I had no illusions. I didn't even want to do it. I told Lily yeah. because I felt it was about... Because I didn't want to be... Ext- I have a problem with me. I don't want to be extraneous. I hate coming... At, at guys who are stars or celebrities or whatever from underneath. Like, I, I have this with you, kind of. Um, you know, you've done more than me. You are more than Dude, me. Dude, I had and- Ben Stiller sitting in here. And then, like, Judd Apatow. I mean, it happens to me a lot, too. But, like, at some point... Don't we have to accept who we are? Yes, but you know, I don't want to give them the chance to be able to to fucking Heisman me and just go, ah, that guy. You know what I mean? Well, you mean in terms of like you, but see, I think that we I don't want to give anybody the opportunity to Bigfoot me. Well, right, because we're prideful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I have that same thing where I would avoid, I actually you know, made a habit and I, you know, you've been in the business long enough or known some people to where I had this realization where I couldn't understand why all the friends I had that became successful were, were assholes now. <laughs> and, and like it took me you know, half of my life to do the math on that. Is it possible, Mark, that they all became assholes <laughs> or perhaps that you play some part in this equation? Sure, yeah. But, but then I detached from them. Yeah. Do you? Uh, I there's really nobody that I hang out with comedy wise here. I, I was really good friends with Jimmy Pardo. He and I were like uh, best friends. Like, yeah, you know, twice a day on the phone. You know, hanging out, lunch talking like girls. Yeah, yeah. and uh, he it, it got to be too much for him. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, he would take me on the road as his middle, and I would fucking grip and you know because uh, because I looked at the, the audience as a as a fight. 
It yeah. was me against them. I wasn't, sure, because uh, they didn't like you. No. They, Why would they? Well, who's going to fucking like me? Yeah, absolutely. So, and I worked, <laughs> uh, it's funny, I worked topical, like almost <laughs> almost exclusively topical when I was yeah. on the road. Yeah. So that, that even led, added another layer to it, because now i got to convince these people to listen to topical jokes when they're just in a bar, and you know, and... And Jimmy finally got tired of it. I mean, so he, you, you set know. up a lot of obstacles for yourself. Yeah, probably that that that, that were probably invented uh, to make it difficult. Oh yeah, because then I'd go up and do great. Yeah, of course. But, but then I'd walk off stage still in a stomach in knots, and and thank God I'd get to relax and watch Jim and laugh my ass off. You know what I mean? But yeah, then even after the show, I was the middle. Even when I wasn't on the road with a friend who would yeah. bring me when I was just doing it and starting out, right? Uh, I was the guy who did his show and walked like off stage, out the door, into the car, went and got drive-through food and, and watched sports at the hotel. Like I didn't mingle, I didn't fucking talk to anybody. I and now I miss every second of it. You know what I mean? I miss the. I just don't under, like. I have been doing it long enough to know to be exhausted. I I get tired of like the way my fucking brain works. Mm. I mean I mean I know it's like it's it's our it's our mode of expression, you know, and, and I hear you do it too. But like sometimes I get like fucking exhausted with the shit I'm inventing to make my life more difficult. Yeah. So getting back to the one person show. So now you've got you tape the two shows. Yeah. Right? Two mm. and a half hours, hour and a half. Yeah. And you're trying to figure out what the hell you do next. There's a guy in New York named Dave, and he he was the one who just kind of laid. <laughs> honestly, I, David, I don't know his last name. Like right, I can tell you, guy what he's in done. New York named we Dave. Communicate via email. Okay. Very quick. But we, uh, uh, he he was the guy who initially laid the line down and said, "Dude, I I have connections at the Fringe Festival in New York. You right. should be here doing a show." Right. Um. So and then I I'm always good at people telling me things like that, and I'm like, oh, okay, and then I don't do anything. Until someone eventually offers to do the work, sure. Uh, and a guy named Bucky Sinister, I know in, Bucky. Okay, he was up in San Francisco. He goes, "I'll get you a theater and a hotel room." Yeah. And at that point, if you don't do it, you're scared. You know what I mean? Like you're you're just fucked at that. Sure. So Which theater did you do it in? Uh, the Dark Room Theater. Uh -huh. Bucky had a connection there. Jim and Aaron were really nice to me, and uh -huh. and, and they. It's funny they don't know who the fuck I am. So then they watch the show Saturday, and they go, "You're fucking." hilarious i mean that's amazing and i'm like well it's only the second time i did it and they're like second time in san francisco i go no second time ever doing the show and they're like you gotta do sketch fest and they're again very nice and uh because it went again crazy great um but so dave told me he's like you should do a one-man show so i started thinking about it and thinking about it and um i finally it was funny the day on the way up there is when i started to think of the structure you know what i mean and sure, no, put I know. the shows yeah. together and, and yeah. i knew what i wanted to i don't want it to be about my family but the, the heavy story is about my family and uh, and it's funny, I have a brother, my older brother's a comic, and he's already done his one-man show about our family. <laughs> <laughs> What's his name? Uh, Lenny Schmidt. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, I don't uh, know Lenny Schmidt. Yeah, he's- uh, I don't know you either. I don't know how the hell that happened. Oh, because I, uh, I, I didn't go out. It's funny, Jesse Thorne brought me up at a show. He said, former stand-up comedian, Mike former. Schmidt. Yeah, because I haven't been doing it. I mean, I podcasting has given me new life. But it's, that was the dream, right? What to be the stand-up? Yeah. Oh goddamn, yeah. I mean, I. I How the fuck to be did it. you quit though? How many years before you did start doing the podcast after you quit? <laughs> you know, I didn't quit. I really didn't. I just stopped because um, people would bring me out to middle for them, and so that was when I would. No, work. I get it. But like, there was at some point where you realized I'm not going out anymore, and I'm not going to open mics. All right. The last show I did in Chicago when I booked myself out, um, it was my first. Gonna I was gonna close a room for my buddy Bert. I used to be the house MC at the Funny Bone in Chicago. Yeah. Well, now he has another room. Yeah. And and I've been a guy who, uh, you know, I used to. Um, all right. Well, this will be a whole subset. I used okay. to weigh five hundred pounds. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And Holy so, shit. Uh, what was that like? Uh, it was big. It was uh, no, but I mean, like, I have a fear of fat, you yeah. know, and, and I have eating disorder brain. Yeah. And when I see people that weigh five hundred pounds. Now, all I think when I see them is that all they could be thinking about is like, how, how I'm fucking fat. Yeah. And like, they just want, like, 
did you just want to claw out of your body or do you surrender to it? Is it like drugs? Does it still feel good? What is it like to be 500 pounds and do you get joy out of eating? So, so many things I want to know yeah, from yeah. an ex-fat person. Jo- jo- oh, I'm still fat now, but I mean- yeah, I wasn't going to say anything, uh, but I mean, you better. You better. <laughs> uh, dude, I recognize my wife, you know, my wife lives in a world of illusion. You're not fat. I am. I Once you deal with it, you know, you understand what if that she you were, are. But what if she were to say, you're a fat fuck, do something about it? I, I'm, I'm a, I, I, she couldn't be any more hard on her, me than I am. I, I mean, I, I listen, on my show, I talk about, I'm, you know, the fattest man in the world. I, I know I am. And I have a thing called Rocky with a blog on my website yeah. where I, I mentioned it on a show a year ago where I was going to, you know what, I'm going to blog and lose weight and you're going to all follow along with me. And then a year later, nothing was nothing. fucking happening, but now it's happening. So it's been going on. I've been making entries and I've got a trainer who donated time for advertising on the show and uh, it's helping. It's, how you know. much have you lost? Because you're not 500 pounds. Well, I had the surgery. I had the snip, the... Really? You had the, the nip and tuck on the inside? 2005, yeah. I got the, yeah. You got your colon tucked? <laughs> I got your, the whole in... thing. They took my stomach away. Turned into a shot glass. Really? Yeah that deal and does uh, it does that stifle your appetite oh yeah i even now uh even though i've put on 70 pounds uh i, I, I was 500 i got down to 265 then went back up to 340 and that's and i went what the fuck dude what are you doing and Do uh you eat a lot i eat the wrong things at and uh i stopped working out you know when i was working with i was i had money uh, i was writing on a show and then uh what show uh just uh, one of those clip shows for pets you uh-huh. know like yeah and uh it was good money and, sure. and i was working you know i i had a good three-year run where i worked uh on f- like three different things in a row and was writing for a video game i had constant money coming in writing money right. good money right so uh i was like you got to do something about this so i had health plans so i went and got the surgery yeah and then uh wound up spending money for a trainer which is you know fourteen hundred dollars for 20 sessions yeah it's expensive but I, and i need a guy but i need a guy fucking yeah. yelling at me and, and i'm a, an idiot so when i do something yeah i'm gonna go hard i mean yeah. I'll, like i'll run through a fucking wall yeah, and I, yeah, yeah i don't care so i lifted hard and got fucking buff and got down to like 265 and then the money ran out uh, so i'm not good at getting myself to the gym and making myself do stuff i'm thinking about it right now so when you get that heavy i mean i can't what's the level of self-hate at, well, I'm, uh, I mean, you're already self-hating. I mean, I can't yeah, even yeah. fucking imagine. Well, but that's what I'm doing is I'm hiding. You know what I mean? I'm I'm burying me underneath all of it and not thinking about it. You know what I mean? And it's only when you have embarrassing, crazy moments where you all of a sudden you have to face it a little bit, like going to a restaurant and breaking a chair in the center of the room in front of everybody and hitting the floor. <laughs> no. That that gunshot snap of a plastic chair getting turned into fucking kindling underneath you as you <laughs> topple to the ground in slow motion, butter and rolls following behind you on top just, of your chest. The slow getting up. Oh, and just that, and brushing yourself around. off and we're going to go. You yeah. know what I mean? Or no over, eating. Yeah. Dinner's over. Uh, oh, no, we're going somewhere else. <laughs> but <laughs> not that. Yeah, I just... I will not be judged. No. Uh, How about wedding? yourself into a fucking airplane seat oh dude how many apologies yeah. i would when oh, i would get on a even God. now when, when i was five bills when i was crazy crazy big i'm big now yeah um i brought cash on planes yeah. for when i would look i would take a look around to see if there was an open seat empty seat now yeah. i would tell the stewardess when i got on let me know yeah and i would offer up to 40 bucks for anybody to switch seats with me so i could have an uh, so i wasn't inconveniencing someone next to me Fuck. and i wasn't and i so i could have room and peace and not have to deal with the entire flight because it's not their I never recognize it's not their fault man I'm fucking you know it's like the Play-Doh funny pumper I'm oozing over into their fucking seat and their personal but, space and but, everything else but your feeling was that you're not a, like a proud fat person because I've met a woman in uh, in New York at a show she goes you know you can be happy and fat and I go no you can I you know the, I mean, she's like there's such a thing as happy fat and I'm like I don't get it no. and, and what about this idea that fat is some sort of handicap 
Fuck all that. You did it right. yourself. You know, you did it yourself. Unless unless you're a guy who's got, you know, fucking gout and you can't walk or you can't. You, you just right. fucking put a fork down. I, I, I'm i not. No, I'm not a proud, happy, flag-flying fat guy. I'm like, fuck all that, dude. I Fat people lie. And fat people, because I, I had to take a bunch of psych tests in order to get that surgery. Yeah. And you had to sit in a room with fat people and watch them bargain. And yeah. you're just going, Jesus. Bargain with themselves? Bargain with the, the counselor. Oh, I mean, really? They're not, and they're not even, like, what, literally. About what? Because they're telling them, because, it, you know, it's all, it's not your fucking mouth, it's your head. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, That's what you yeah. got to fix. Right. So all these people are trying to set them straight, telling them, well, when you get the surgery, it's not like a magic bullet. And all of a sudden you're going to be fucking, you know, wafer thin and you can walk around and eat whatever the fuck you want. I mean, right. everything changes from this right. moment on. This is. Because if they don't understand, this is Dr. Mengele shit. We're cutting yeah. your stomach out of your body because you can't yeah. control yourself, motherfucker. Yeah, and because you're a Jew. Because <laughs> we need a fucking lampshade. Give <laughs> that stomach. Yeah, yeah. Uh, We're making things with that. <laughs> and you're going to love them. Uh, so, yeah, so, but I saw fat people, they would tell them, they'd go, you know, you're probably going to have kind of an intolerance to milk, and so you'll have to take calcium pills and stuff. And I would see them say things, you know, people would say, well, we can have like, a, you, know, non, you know, 1% fat milk, right? No, I'm telling you, for the first six weeks, you can't have any milk. Well, how am I supposed to eat cereal? Yeah. Motherfucker, you're going to be eating fruit cup for six yeah, weeks. Yeah, Don't yeah. even worry about cereal. But fat people bargain. They want to know because in their head, I, I would think, dude, I would wake up in the morning and think about what I was going to eat for dinner as I was eating Fruity well, Pebbles and Pop-Tarts, you know? Right. Well, that's the hard thing. Like with drugs or with cigarettes or with anything else, you don't have to do any of those things. You have to eat. So yeah. like it's tricky with eating disorders and with those type of addictions because like you, you can't just say like I quit eating. <laughs> done. I'm done. Turn it in my car. It's behind me. <laughs> the whole food and drink yeah, fuck thing. That couldn't uh, you know, staple my mouth shut. Give me an IV. I'm so, fine. Well, what the hell caused all this uh, this pain? Why are we the same? Why are we so self centered and crazy? What the hell did you come from? Uh, uh, Animals. Yeah, I was I was raised <laughs> raised by wombats. Um, you were the only human in an animal community, yeah. and they all looked up to you. Uh, Irish family. Oh, really? Five brothers or five boys, no Holy sisters. Holy shit! Single mom. Really? Yeah. My dad uh, drunk. You know, uh, died day before my thirteenth birthday, and uh, they know, weren't together. No, no, they got divorced. Uh, you know, and I saw. You know, I had to see a bunch of shit. I I had to testify against my dad in the divorce. So I had to go downtown and you as know, a kid, uh, and then go to Alateen meetings when I didn't. You know, I don't got the, I don't have the problem. Why the fuck am I here talking? You know that nonsense. Yeah, I know, I know, I know, Alanon. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I, I uh, that, that's the that's the short version. But Did yeah. any of your brothers turn out to be uh, boozers? Uh, well, Lenny, Lenny was a drinker, and and then I think stopped it. I um, I have four brothers. I only talked to one. I don't talk to three of them. What happened there? My older brother and I have, have a history because, you know, when my dad left, he was essentially my dad. Right. So, and that's, but I look, I recognize how fucking hard that was for him. Yeah. Okay. But it doesn't matter because all I care about is me and stop being my dad. You know, I'm 40 or 35 or whatever I am at the And there's time. a resentment that you know, you're not my dad. You're yep. my brother. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. And then he hit you. Uh, when I was a kid, yeah. yeah. You know, he, he, because he didn't know, what is he going to do? He's got to beat the shit out of me to keep me in line. You right. know what I mean? And, and, uh. You know, until that day, you know, I, that when I was 13, I punched him in the face and ran, you know, yeah, that, yeah. that final yeah. victory <laughs> until he caught me and kicked yeah. the shit out of me. Um, you know, but I, my older brother and I don't, we forever, we're, you know, we don't talk, we do talk, we don't talk, we yeah. do talk. And then we had finally a cataclysmic thing that happened here that ended everything. Really? That was yeah. it? And, and I haven't, and the thing was, he lived in my apartment building at the time, he and his wife. So I had to see him every day, even though we weren't talking. So we'd walk past each other stoically and not say anything. But, what, but had, was was it that bad? Is it still that bad a thing that happened? It was, you know what? It was a very bad night 
that, but to me was the accumulation of years of on and off. And I went, I don't have time for this. I don't have time to repair it and then have it break again and repair it and have it splinter again. Because there was so much as kids that, you know, we, we, you know, we went through everything together. We were all bunkered down. We were latchkey kids because right. single mom, my mom's off working, you know, eight to seven. And so Lenny's got to watch the four boys. It's and- so interesting to me, though, that, you know, you get these things like I got a brother, too, and I got a dad, too. And I've gone through periods where I don't talk to them. Yeah. You know, and that it all comes down to pride and all this weird shit. And then like it's it's just interesting to me that in 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 your in your intellectual mind, you can think like, you know, we don't live that long. Are we really going to do this yeah. for the rest of our lives? And you know what? Sometimes the decision is, yeah. Yeah. That with, <laughs> with Lenny, I decided that. I uh, did. So I, painful. I, uh, it was funny. I wrote an acting class monologue about him, yeah. about something that happened when we were kids. And, right. And the final line of it was, you know, I, I realize now that things that pass and, you know, and then I said, I just wish I could tell Lenny. That was the final line of it. Well, my wife saw that and thought it was a cry for help. So she emailed it to my brother, uh-huh. which then put me, you know, then now all of a sudden I'm in a week. I'm in a, I, I hated it because now I'm in a defensive stance instead of reaching out. Now she went behind my back and sent it. And then he wrote me back and he didn't even write me back in a way that's like, we should talk. He just wrote, you can tell me anything, Mike. And I'm like, oh, can't, you, you can't even reach out well. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. you can't. And so I, and then we tried, we, we actually tried to stitch it together at that point, but it was, it's beyond repair. I mean, dude, he, you know, he lived in my apartment building and like I said, he had kids. He has two girls. I don't, I've never met them. They would walk by my apartment and look in at me. And they knew. They fucking knew. But isn't there heartache involved in that? What are you going to do? I, I mean, I, I, honestly. I don't know. You're going to make it okay, no, Mike. No, you're not. There's nothing you can do about it, man. Some things you can't make okay. You know that. You know that. I have a, I have, I'm more disappointed I just lost my last brother. I mean, I, my, the middle kid. No, no, the yeah, second youngest. He passed um, away? No, 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 no. He well, he he decided to jump the fence. Like we're done. You know what I mean? He he made a decision, and now we're not talking. All right, so, so this is two out of five, three they, out of five. Because I, th- I don't talk to my young brother. Now either. what's it? And do they talk to each other? Well, my younger brother and my second, my my two youngest, they're together now. That's the thing. Is it's like you know in the in the they're eternal team. struggle, they're the anti Mike <laughs> yeah. contingent. Well, I don't think they're anti Mike. They're just pro them and pro nonsense. You know what I mean? And I I, well, I can't help but think that this is one of those equations where uh, you know the 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 common uh integer or whatever the word I'm looking for mathematically is you is me yeah I, I but this You've drawn a line Mike well but, but my brother Andy you're wasn't... a pariah you know? <laughs> you're ready to I, kick me the fuck out of here no I've, I've asked around about you <laughs> I, I don't doubt it actually I you know I had friends like I said they and they all pat my peers passed me and I don't I'm in that weird limbo but dude. what do you mean past you I mean they're still your friends there's no uh, not nah, is there a what? race going on is there a race going on? Do you think that their job was like they're like like when they first got their big break or they're like I beat Mike, <laughs> fuck you, Mike, well, I got a job. And they were saying that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> that was that's a fucking battle cry. They got tired of saying it. They said it so much. Ah, fuck Mike. Again, I win. Well, what was it that you used to do? Did like were you like me and were that some part of you said like you know we're okay? I'm your friend. You know, like I need help here. No, but I, you didn't say it like that because you were too proud to say it, so you just drained them emotionally. Yeah, yeah, I definitely drained them emotionally. I, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I'm a fucking mess, and, and I'm lazy. I'm, a, I'm a guy who settles. Like, but if you're so self-aware, is there isn't any it weird? attempt? 
It's, no, it's not weird. I mean, we get comfortable in even the worst of our patterns. Yeah. I mean, there is this this notion that people tell you it's like you know people don't change. They do it, but it, it takes some vigilance. I mean, yeah. it is sort of an effort to change. Well, I want to change. That's what the show. The theme of the show is essentially that I want to change when I'm not you know f- fighting with possums and and fucking electrical you know engineers or whatever. I have possums here. What did you have? What was your possum problem? I have a graveyard job. That's one of the reasons I was late today. I apologize. But uh, you were sleeping. Uh, no, fuck no. Well, no, I I got four hours before I got. You mean a graveyard shift? Or you work at a graveyard, graveyard? shift? I oh. work. <laughs> what am I at a graveyard shift at a graveyard? How creepy is that? Jesus. That's pretty creepy. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I work late at, at night, and I work in a, as a security guy at like a parking garage. And it's a, it's a running theme on the show. I call it Graveyardville because yeah. I hate it. I hate that I do it. I'm better than that. Every time I have to do you know anything there, I'm punching clock, and you're like, dude, I should be talking for like whatever. Why don't so, you do uh, something else? Uh, be well. I settle because, and I need money now because now my wife just got laid off. So I actually need this money now. I have to fucking white knuckle this job. They'll have to drag me but out. You of say it. it with such confidence and such a, a sort of like you know decision, uh, a, a sort of uh, a lack of emotion in your voice. You're like, I settled, and that's that. Well, I don't but, like it. I mean, but I, well, dude, I've tried. I've been in the mix of shows. I mean, I've I've had like four or five shows that I've been in the mix on and thought I. I actually thought I had a gig, you know, somewhere, and then that falls through. You know, it's fucking how it is. worse. Yeah. So what were we? What were we getting at? Possums. Possums. Yeah, I had a possum attack me. A big attack, one. Like literally, a... like I'm sitting. I'm sitting at the desk. Okay. I, at and, the uh, graveyard job. Yes, and and essentially where your door is, uh, another from me to the door, another from the door to you know that distance, uh, is the parking garage, and I can see it. Mm. Possum walks in, in, into my line of sight. Big one. He's, he stops. He's in the garage, and he looks at me. And uh, I'm looking at him, and I'm like, oh, that's hilarious, you know, wildlife. And, uh, and they waddle. Yeah. And he starts to lope toward me. Like, he's not scared of me. Right. He turns, he sees me, makes yeah. eye contact, and you'd think he'd book. Yeah. No. That weird, like, you know, yeah, what claws you think was on gonna gra- happen? And he lopes right at me, and, uh, and I may have overreacted a little bit, Mark, because I panicked and lost my mind and ran around the desk and slammed the door, and, uh... And I fully believe he knew he had me because then he tried, he just tried to get in. He kept scratching the door and putting his little hands, because they have hands, yeah. under the door. Oh. And I'm peeking out the window at him like a lady and screaming eek. You know, I'm just Is fucking- Is he making noises? Yeah. And oh, he stinks. He's like, fucking yeah. horrible. Because they shit all over themselves. Yeah. And he wouldn't leave. Yeah. He fucking wouldn't leave, yeah. Mark. He, he kept coming at yeah, me. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and he's scraping the door. And then he walks, he starts walking around the lobby. He owns the joint. He fucking, yeah. he climbs up on a regular chair that's there for people by the- And he sits down and he's just looking at me. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, it was, so I did it on the show where it, he, it, you know, probably was only like five minutes yeah but it seemed like an hour sure, being held hostage by a possum and, I, and i'm a long. guy who has whenever i go anywhere i have a, a you know plan to fight zombies like when yeah I, I don't know if you're that guy you're probably not but uh well, i hadn't thought about it well, you know why mike because <laughs> zombies aren't fucking real not yet okay all right uh, but <laughs> when you walk into places i always have a plan like I again this is yeah. me I walk into the bank I play who would I fuck at the bank and I think who <laughs> I, I would play have to play that f- all everywhere right and, yeah. and who would and why, who would I why just the bank well that's, <laughs> what, that's what I'm saying because yeah. I uh, and I would fight like yeah. if I'm in a grocery store I'm like alright who would I have to hit first to get food yeah, and then and then where would I have to? Oh, this is still the zombie scenario. No, no, no. This is people. Uh, I, yeah. I, I thought you were like, I need to procreate, so the bank is the place to <laughs> get. Who am I going to fuck at the bank for children, and who am I going to have to fight for food at the supermarket? These like, are separate games. I like your game. Yeah. I, I, maybe I, I bring it all under one umbrella. I have to repopulate. <laughs> yeah. I'll go to the bank to fuck a teller, and we'll just sit on the cash until the zombies so go away. You are so advanced. So I, these are separate games. Uh, yeah, they who were. Do I got, who, who do I got to kick? Who's asked <laughs> do I kick at the? Yeah, at anywhere, the, I, yeah. everywhere I go, I think about who I'm going to have to fight. And what I'm going to have to do to him, and and uh, and you know, and then who am I going to bang? And yeah, it's just really I I don't I'm at a different level where I'm thinking like 
usually all I'm thinking when I'm looking at other people, it's like, oh my God, it's sad for everyone. <laughs> that That's really what it's come to. I, I'm no longer threatened. I'm no longer thinking like, I wonder if they like you. I'm like, oh God, are we all just tired? Yeah. Look at everyone, how worn down they are. Oh, exactly. Even people that are like, you know, put, you know, who looks more worn down than anybody is people who spend half their lives trying to look better. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, those 40 to 50 year old men who, like, you know, exercise so much that they have this weird, drawn look to them. And they think, like, I've been the, I'm in the best shape I've ever been in. Well, you look like a fucking zombie. Yeah. You look like you woke up as a regular 40 year old and you had to climb into a skin jumpsuit to come to the gym because (laughs) it's like taut and hanging. And oh, oh. I so want to be that guy. (laughs) (laughs) Don't you? Well, because they don't see it. They think any change is good. It's like, it's every, you know, stripper you see or every actress like Pam Anderson who just, Hey, I'm going to get breast implants. I'm going to take them out. I'm going to put them in. I'm going to take them. They got a head full of bad wiring. They don't know what the fuck is happening. But like, when do those ever look good? I mean, they, you have to you have to like the cartoonish nature of of the uh, you know, objectified woman. In order to like breast implants, you have to know. You have to be like, I'm into them. I don't care if they're fake. Look how big they are. Yeah. Look how perfect those implants are. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. But but I, I don't even think it's the person liking them. I, the person getting them is the one I'm concerned with because they just, again, they just keep changing themselves because it's, again, it's your head, man. That's what the whole thing, it's fat people or, or people who get I, plastic I surgery. Never, it's your fucking head. I know, I know. I, I, I got it in my family, you know. Uh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, I got, uh, you know, my mom is, uh, you know, not. Oh, she's not, plastic surgery? Yeah, she's not beyond that. Uh, and you know, a lot of people, and then I have, uh, this girl I'm seeing thinks everybody has it. Do you, you know, those people it's like, they've had work done. Oh I'm yeah. Like, really? Well, it's not very good work. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, it doesn't look like it did anything. Yeah. They're, I don't think they're that. close friends with the everybody's gay people. Yeah. Well, that's true. The oh, everybody's gay. gay yeah. That oh yeah. Gay. You didn't hear? No, he's, he's gay. totally gay. <laughs> he's okay. <so gay. laughs> the internet thinks every, everyone's sucking cock according yeah. to the internet. Everyone in the world. Like everyone's it's not even sucking cock and getting work done. Yep. Are you a stripper guy? Uh, I'm a vice guy. Um, I'm, I have anger stuff. I just had a thing a couple of weeks ago. Uh, you know, I want to beat the shit out of a car in Hollywood because a guy called me out and he wouldn't get out of his car. So I just need the fuck out of his door and punch the shit out of the thing until they fucking peeled out and left. I trying you, to get that under control. I don't want to be that guy. I'm trying are to, you a guy? Well, me too. That's why I'm going this fucking thing at two. Yeah. Are you a guy that hits people? Not in a while. But did you? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to, I've hit all my brothers. That's one of the reasons, you know, I mean, that's, I'm the one guy. I'm, Are you bigger than them? I'm the Rosetta Stone of my brothers. I, well, you know, Lenny, they're all good sized guys. You know what I mean? Scott was a little, little guy. But you're pretty fucking big. You can't be a grown person running around hitting people. When I was bouncing, you know what I mean? It was a, it was a way to get, you know, I, I like, why I like training. I like training. I trained MMA and I get to hit the bag and kick and throw people around and stuff like that. You, you were know? a bouncer? Oh yeah. I, I, for many years I bounced, um, you know, I did individual concert stuff, but then at the House of Blues and the Troubadour, and uh, yeah, so I, I haven't in a while, thank God. I, you know, I actually thought about having to go back when I had no money. Yeah, but I'm old, I mean, I can't fucking do that now. You know, the second I'm at the, you know, Judas Priest show and a guy spits in my face, forget it. I won't stop punching until the cops come. You know, yeah, they'll drag me away. Bloody pulp. I'm Enjoy not, the show. Not good at that. You know, yeah. so I was the cool. I was the good. You know, I I wasn't. I know I sound like a meathead, dude. I know it. No, no, but no, I really, you don't, you don't. I wasn't You'd like- You'd be a... talking slower, I would imagine, if you sounded <laughs> like a meathead. I picture a meathead to be like, then, then uh, the thing happened. And... I just, I have anger and rage stuff. I, 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 you know what? I was telling you this. When I was in Chicago, my friend Burke, who ran the Funny Bone, booked yeah. me. And I was going to close the room. It was my big attempt at starting to close stuff so I could start booking myself out. This is Headlining. Three years ago. Yeah. yeah. And not really, you know, my friend Mike Toomey, who's a brilliant comic out of Chicago, was there. And he's 
Oh, he could close in his sleep. I mean, I've done the road with him and seen him do two different 50-minute sets at night. He's that guy. He's been yeah. doing it since he was 18. He's brilliant. So he was there as my middle, as a safety net if yeah. I needed him. Right. I got on stage. But how are you going to use the safety net if you've, you've already started your set? You're going to bring him back on? Well, I don't know. I again. <laughs> what was the plan? I guess he was just there as a security blanket to help me out or something. Oh, like, and, like, you know, he does his 20. This. You, you can do, do this. You do you know? 40 and go, all right, Mike's coming back up. For- <laughs> <laughs> He's going to close it. He's going to take us home. I'm going to tag him in. <laughs> Uh, well, I worked Friday and he closed. Yeah, and then Saturday I said, "Can I close?" Right. And they said, "Absolutely, let's do that." Okay. So, um, and it was a room where uh the stage was high up and the the people's heads were at your feet. You know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not. It's not a comedy club. Club. It's in a bar and it's, it's a little weird. high, like a rock stage. And they're sitting at those yeah, tall tables, like five foot maybe, yeah. five feet something. So this is the um the problem I have. I'm on stage and I'm mm. I'm trying to bring podcast mic, storytelling mic to the stage instead of topical one liner bang Tricky. bang. Yeah. So I'm trying to do it there and I'm trying to get them and uh, you know my stories can be a little raw and rough and and you know it's a bar crowd they don't know the fuck I am so they're this I'm having trouble winning them over or whatever and there's a people in the far right corner stage right you know my my well, right. it's well it's interesting that when you do that form you know and they don't know where you're coming from yeah like if you don't sort of you know set the stage with some jokes and you just break into that form the uh, I'm going to tell you stories about me form yeah. I think their immediate reaction is like what does he want from us right yeah, are we supposed to just listen and yeah. and you know is this a, a session okay? for him? Yeah, uh, and also I do a lot of asides and quick, but if they're not buying what I'm selling in that, then yeah. I get you get the sweat right, going so and you're like, sorry, to interrupt. Uh, that's okay. Far right corner, people won't stop talking. Yeah. Four or five of them, right. they just talk and talk and talk, right. and I'm you know, hey, you know, shut up, easy, yeah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. And they wouldn't talk. They talked all through Mike. Yeah. So they're talking through me, and uh, finally I, I'm like, hey, shut the fuck up. Honestly, shut, I, I lose all pretense of jolly. Hey, we're all here out of a good time. Yeah, I just saw your eyes change, and your eyes change, and people know, like you know, not only did they not, not quite like you at all yet, oh yeah, but now you're like that guy. Yeah, hey, oh, can yeah. we we got a problem? Can you shut the fuck up? Yeah, and, and that's my problem. I don't know. I don't have the chops, Mark. I never learned the chops because I'm in the middle for audience I, at work. Yeah. Well, I mean, I can t- I can work the crowd, but it's if if anybody crosses me, they're getting just yeah. destroyed. I'm setting a fire, and everything's burning down, and we're great whiting the entire we're, bar. We're, yeah, right. Yeah, and all of a sudden, the audience is going, "No, you can't, no, man." Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, there. I'm, Ken- yeah, I'm yeah, Kenny Moore hitting yeah, a guy with a guitar. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, oh shit, that wasn't cool. Man. <laughs> I want my money back. <laughs> um, so they they won't stop talking, and I yeah. finally tell them to shut the fuck up. And then, uh, Mark, I decide to walk on the tabletops out to where they are sure Matt, that's funny there's um, some funny there listen the rest of the room is solidly behind you when you call out five guys and basically want to fight them yeah. holding the microphone like you know were they uh behind you the crowd yeah oh no no <laughs> oh no mark incorrect so you're stepping on tables i and walk no one on the you. tables and, and, you know and you're a big guy at this point right i'm i'm yeah this is six two you know and this is when i'm at the peak of lifting and stuff so i'm kind of big <laughs> up top stormy and because then it's again i always say this how, thing on my show how many the, minutes into the set were you 15 oh yeah so yeah you we're the, a lot of time to cover the, the, oh yes i do <laughs> i got mike toomey's in the back warming up uh and i, I stomp out and i'm yeah. standing over them with the microphone basically at my at, you know in a fist at yeah. my side yeah you're gonna shut the fuck up honest i've talked to you how many fucking times shut the fuck up or get the fuck out at yeah. like that yeah. thing and uh blow dry all of them yeah and then they you know meekly just you know because what i really want them to do yeah is hit me I want somebody to hit me. Yeah, I heard you like this. Is this part of the vice? Uh, I don't want it to be. I don't want to be that well, guy. Not, well, nobody wants to be addicted right. to heroin. <laughs> Are you sure about that? <laughs> no, it's fun at first. Yeah. Because yeah, so, like, I've heard the story. I mean, the one episode I listened to was you waiting, trying to get a guy to hit you. Yeah. 
Oh, the Marine. That was an older story. That was story. the guy doing, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just that, it's that thing where you can't, you know why? Because that's what I'm saying. I'm not a meathead who just flails. Uh, I'm smart enough to wait to get hit, but then, you know, I'm finishing everything. You know what I mean? I, I won't start I won't start anything. But Like if we were to go right into the guts of who you are, and I'm not doing this because I get some sort of gimmick I do on my podcast because I'm trying to figure this stuff out for myself. If mm-hmm. I'm going to go into the guts of who I am, what is that anger about? Why am I triggered with rage immediately when I, what does it come down to? I want this now. I'm I'm mad at me. I, 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 dude, I am. I'm fucking mad at me because I, I haven't. I've failed, and and I've left myself. But wait a minute. Let's. Go, but isn't it more like? Okay, I can. I get that. You know, and I and I get that I'm mad at me. But there's also the other part that you brought up before, which is like, you know, if somebody tells me they're going to do everything for me, I'll do it. So there's some part of us that must be like five or six years old. Why isn't anyone doing this for me? Yeah. And then when no one does it, I'm a fucking asshole. Somebody do it for me. And then all you've got is like, you didn't do it. Yeah. That's all you have left. Yeah. Is you didn't do it. But what about my mom and too yeah. late for that shit doesn't matter right mm-hmm. god damn it mm-hmm. so we're all fixed <laughs> we're done thank you <laughs> <laughs> this has worked out better than i thought it would <laughs> why don't you and i go to the bank and find out who we're gonna fuck yeah for the when the zombies come <laughs> <laughs> You're, you got a great little zombie compound here I, I did the layout already this is a nice i would be in here and you could actually broadcast looking for help and yes yeah, well, i'd have to get some things for the windows we got to do that but well this could easily be converted you could just tear that apart and uh, you know put it up so that's what mike and i are going to do we're going to make a zombie compound out of my garage <laughs> and then i'm going to drive past it nine times and park yeah, you go get you go kick some ass at the grocery store, get us some food. <laughs> I'll go to the bank and kidnap the women, and we should be all set. <laughs> it's you're gonna be your job to kick zombies' asses because I ain't no good at kicking Done. asses. I'm in. You can you can radio for help. I'm excited oh, about it. Fuck, it's gonna be great. Now, okay, so let's get back to this notion. Here's what I learned from doing the Jerusalem syndrome, and what what the New York Times critic said, and I think it's a, and it's accurate. And I, and I think it was, if I was to do another one, which I have, and, and I, I kept this in mind, is that when you see one-man shows, there, there's there's going to be a theme or a through line or, or there's going to be, you know, it's all built or either you can do it with like you set a stage with one story and then you tell other stories coming back to the to the, the, the story that's thread throughout right. the show. Okay. You know, which I think you do on your show, which would seem to be the natural structure for you where you start out like here's the main story of the show yeah. and you start that story and then you go back yeah i book and- it what i did with mine was i bookended i did a story that that had a, a resolution or you know and, and then i had an opposite resolution in the final story with the same characters involved that kind of thing mm-hmm. like um so i thought that would be enough <laughs> no i'm sure it's like the thing about us and and i'm not saying this in is some sort of um in grandiose way the one thing i know i can do is hold people's attention i know i can engage an audience for up to two and a half hours that you just said yeah. we can do that and they will feel great and engaged and they will have an experience but for something to be theater this is what the guy in the new york times said like that there there was no transformation that in order for something to be a piece of theater, you know whether you uh, respect a three act structure or not, is the main character transformed at all at the end? Which is an interesting question. That does something happen to where you start here and now you know there is a transformation of some kind, right? Which I think is interesting. But what if you in your real life have not transformed? Yeah, but I don't think that's true. I think that within each story, 
that if you were to really look at your stories or some of your best stories, mm. something happens. Like well, even the story about the Marine. Well, you you wanted be, to get hit. Yeah. He didn't get hit. And then when you apologized, he didn't give what you wanted. He didn't give you what you wanted. Right. But you sat with that. So oh, that's yeah. different than the guy that was like, that just fucking hit me. Yeah. That's true. There, there's, I guess, there's, there's elements of redemption in in all my stories, and and I, I'm also, it's so funny, Karen. When I first started the show, I told her, I warned her, I said, look, I'm going to talk about everything. I mean, I'm not going to fuck around here. And I said, uh, you know, but you will never be the fool. You will never be the stooge because in real life, she's not. You know what I mean? She's constant. She's the one constant. She's the hero, and she's saved me from myself way too many times for me to even count. Yeah. So, uh, uh, in in my show and in, in my stories, there's an element of redemption, even if I'm a fucking buffoon. Right. Um, you know, I am redeemed somewhat, you know what I mean? But what I'm saying is in the overall picture, though, because I filled three years with stories of me fucking up, how much have I changed and how much in my one man show can I then be, like you said, make the journey and at the end be different? I, I like I, t- I had an epilogue in my show, you know, because the, the, the final story was 30 minutes of heavy. Yeah. And uh, and then I had a little five minute, you know, I had a little sorbet of music and then I came yeah. on and said, hey. You know, I'm trying not to be this person anymore, and and uh, you know, I want to prove that my wife hasn't made a mistake, and I want to be, you know. So there's an epilogue at the end. Um, so I, I I don't know whether or not I'm redeemed in in the journey, and that's what I need. I need help. I mean, I need someone. You know, I need a director. I need whoever well, to find fucking... it. Well, find a director. I know. I, I mean, you know, uh, it's hard, Mark, because people don't. I didn't find one for my last show, and it, and it was probably a mistake. I did a show yeah. about the divorce, and it was heavy, and it was good, and I was really sort of building it on my own, right. And, uh, you know, I just didn't, I didn't want to go through the whole rigmarole of, of, of where you got to find somebody to trust, someone you can work with and somebody who you can listen, like, like directing you would be, you know, it might be physically, um, you know, it, it, it could be scary. I would think, I mean, I would imagine that like the woman who directed Jerusalem syndrome, she had to sit me down and go, you can't, that whole chunk's got to go. And then she had to be able to take, you know, fuck you. Who the fuck are you to tell me <laughs> yeah. that, you know, and then there's crying and then it becomes sort of a marriage. So I guess yeah. what I'm saying, don't get a woman uh, to direct. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Try uh, to find a large man. Yeah. I, I uh, With some, <laughs> some martial arts degree. All right. Good. Yeah. That's a good idea. <laughs> I've talked, I've talked to people that I, there's, there's a guy, you know, who I respect and, and has always been supportive of me and what I do. And I think that's, that's to me the hardest part finding someone who knows what I do because when I try to explain to him, you know, I do a one man show every week, basically a podcast and it's over an hour long of me just talking and they'll look at you like, you know, I've had people write me notes and say, look, I got to stop listening to your show. It's pathetic. You're just talking alone in a room. Sure. And, uh, and you say, well, I, but don't, aren't you hearing the good parts of it? Are you, you're not pulling that, but then you have to understand it's not for everybody. You know what I mean? Well, and, yeah. And, and it's also like it's a specific sort of format and it's a specific type of radio, you know, that we're doing yeah. or broadcasting that we're doing. Right. And and those people, it, it, I, I, like, I just got some shitty, a little bit of shitty press on a show I did with a guy going like, uh, I hope this guy finds his medium. And, uh, <laughs> oh, dude. You, you know, and it's sort that, of, but that's what I'm saying. It doesn't end. Does it end? It never ends. Yeah. But, but like on some level, I know now that like I'm not for everybody, and you got to know that about yourself. Yeah. I mean, we're not for everybody. So if we really know that, then of course it's never going to end. And then you know the 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 best you can say is, or the worst you really can say is, well, that guy doesn't get it. Apparently he's well adjusted. Apparently everything's working out for him. Right. And then it turns into the other thing, and he can go fuck himself. <laughs> Who the fuck is that? Where's that email? Yeah. Let's read it on the air. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, but then but then people who like you were like, why do you focus? 
on that. I, I always talk, I'll be in the show and I'll, I'll talk about how long the show is and stuff. And I get constantly letters going, we love your long shows. Do them longer. We want, I've had people that are like, you should do a show every day. Yeah. I'm like, do you understand? I'd be dead. Oh no, I'd be I, yeah, fucking me too. dead. Yeah. I talk by myself in yeah. circles. The, the, before my one man show on Saturday, I actually sat in a room in the green room and said, these people love you. These people love you. They want you to yeah. be you. Stop. Yeah. Just these people right. love you. Go right. be you. But that's and, hard uh, even if, because like it, that's even hard though, because if you don't love yourself, I mean, you're already working at it handicapped. True, but I but I go, but I also think that's the dichotomy. Is is I you know I hate myself and I I hate what I've done to my life and why I'm not successful and why I'm in a grave job and I've I failed my wife and all these different things. But at the same time, I think I'm a fucking genius. I mean, I'm like I'm always like, dude, you're nobody can do what I fucking do. I mean, I, I'm ridiculous and and I. I just need to marry the two or, or have one of them beat the shit out of the other and finally give myself over to one of them right. and, and become that person. You know what it's I mean? A it's a tough just, one because any anyone who's, if you're just all the guy who thinks he's a genius, that's equally as irritating. As, <laughs> yeah, I think the dichotomy might be necessary. <laughs> yeah, the yin needs the yang, yeah, I guess. If you commit to one or the other, we're, we're in trouble. Maybe I go maybe I go straight genius. I grow like a mustache and I wear a top hat. You know, yeah, I go yeah. completely like whiff and poof yeah, with it. Yeah, yeah, fucking, yeah, yeah. People be like, Mike's changed, man. <laughs> Since the mustache, it just isn't the same. He's <laughs> all full of himself. He's got confidence. It's it, it's funny. In your book, you talk about how you thought you were going to come to Hollywood and be a movie star. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. And I thought that too. Like yeah. when I was a kid, I was like, even then, I knew I'm like, oh well, I got something here. And, yeah. Uh, I did a I did a thing once. I was at a, a an amusement park with my mom and aunt. Came out to visit the first year I'm in L. A. in '88. And, uh, or, yeah, 88, 87, yeah, 90? Yeah. What the fuck? Who cares? It was yesterday. And, yeah. uh, I did a thing where they pulled me up on stage to interact with one of those fucking, like, studio yeah, comics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, afterwards, people from ABC approached me and they give me their card. They want to have a meeting. Yeah. And I'm, I actually woke my, I woke at home and I woke my roommate up and I go, it begins. Yeah. 21 <laughs> years old, it's, here we fucking go. Wrap in. Yeah. And 22 years later, I'm talking here to you in a garage about how shitty everything yeah. is. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I'm in the same boat. With like, when I read that in your book, I was like, wow. You know? Oh, I had it. I just, I movie had Movie star. Yeah, dude. just movie star. Yeah. yeah. But it's like, it, but as I get older, like, I, I, I don't see myself as a, a failure necessarily but i be, but because like if i really thought about the people that i know that were ambitious enough to be calculating about how they manage their career right, right? how they you know e even just acknowledging what your talent is i mean like because this is a, a a a town that you know show business is fueled by idiots being sold by people who claim they know who they are and how they fit in the demons well, yeah, that's I'm not Spog. That's vaporized disappointment. That's right. How fucking great is that line? Yeah, thank you. Loved thank it. you very much. But, but like, as I get older, I realize that the the guys that were calculating and realized their limitations and said, "I'm this guy. I do this thing," you know, and it's and and, and I'm going to make it so it's as appealing to as many people as possible, and then I'm going to try to to nurture that character and, and sell it. I never did that. I was I just demanded attention. Yeah. Like I'm literally like I will be like most of my early career was fueled by spite because I was I was I had a big manager and I'd see other guys that he managed getting things and I would call up and go why the fuck is he doing that <laughs> why how come I'm not doing that yeah get me in to do that like, literally I was fueled by that and then I do it and a lot of times the opportunities I did get I wasn't ready for them yeah that's the worst thing about it is like look at that dude. So you just you were just sort of me 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 I want mine I want mine and you couldn't even show up for work because you didn't have the fucking tools to do that yeah you showed up for work with no toolbox yeah you you want something so bad and, and then, then you get the you, shot and you don't know what the fuck to do with that's it that's right yeah and that and then it keeps coming back to this when we talk about it it's childish yeah 
40-year-old boy. That's who I am, dude. I'm a fucking idiot. I, I, I can't get out of my own way. I'm a guy who lives in his own fucking I skull. I don't know if we're idiots, and I don't know if you're an idiot. I do think at some point we have to, like, you know, uh, you know, feel the sadness necessary to let go of certain childish expectations, quit beating the shit out of ourselves, but I don't know what the hell we'd do. I don't know why I keep calling myself. I don't know why I keep putting myself in the same boat as you. But I, I uh, do you think we're somewhere similar? Yeah. Oh, I, I, yeah. Uh-huh. I, I, I think so. I think that's one of the reasons why people kept contacting you. Because I'll be honest with you, people yeah. contacted me. Oh, you really? know, they're like, <laughs> "You got to go on Mark Marin's show," and I got to go to therapy. Okay. Well, I just finished mine. Are we good? I, I think we're great, man. It was and a great I, time. I, I'm so happy that, and and I'm. I'm looking forward to having melon balls with Grandma Goldie's melon baller. Oh, you, you really read the book. I'll show you the melon baller. Hey, that, I don't have line, any melon balls. That was a, such a great line. I, I have just, the melon baller. I, I literally had it because I have a new one because it's all the Grandma Goldie's is all rusted out. Oh, okay. But the new one broke, and I'm like, I guess I'm going to have to, yeah. you know, the, how bad could the rust be? Let's time travel. Well, it was great talking to you. The 40-year-old boy is the podcast. Uh, Mike Schmidt's been my guest. Was anything solved? Are we better? Is it good? It was great talking to Mike. I hope his fans appreciate that. It was nice to meet him, have that conversation. Again, congratulations to all you former possessors of narcissistic uh, personality disorder, histrionic personality disorder, and paranoid personality disorder, schizoid personality disorder, and dependent personality disorder. You are now free. And all of you, please, go to WTFPod.com, get yourself some Just Coffee at JustCoffee.coop, or go to the link at WTFPod.com, get some of that WTF blend, it's good, and they kick me a few shekels, as you can as well. What else do I have to say to you? I just watched uh, Sofia Coppola's movie, uh, what is it, Somewhere? Is that what it's called? I liked it. She don't make movies like Americans, she makes movies like them French people, and, uh, and it's nice, it's lyrical, it's poetic, she holds frame, she lets actors work. She lets you sort of kind of sit with it. I thought it was a, a beautiful film. I didn't love the ending. No one just leaves a Ferrari. Ooh, spoiler. Sorry. It's not really that kind of movie. I mean, if, if you're actually worried about a spoiler on that movie, <laughs> your, your expectations are bizarre. All right, I think that's it. Uh, as I said, the first 50 will be up on iTunes soon. And please uh, take care of yourself, former narcissists.